I want to spend some time this morning uh, for all of us to uh, reflect on and consider Jesus' words in the gospel. Uh, I've been saying this for three Sundays straight, but these are some of the hardest words that Jesus shares with us, with his disciples and with us. Uh, two Sundays ago, it was on money, on giving, 10% as a minimum. Last Sunday, Jesus spoke on hell, its reality, and its shape, how it actually looked like. And today, in a way, Jesus is shaping, uh, is telling us um, the fundamental or an, an essential aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. And it means to be a servant. Now, our, our reading, Luke 17, starts at verse 5 and ends at verse 10. So there's five verses we didn't get. And there's a whole section after, verse 11 onwards, that we're not reading today. That's next Sunday. So I'm not going to hit that too hard. But I will mention it because we need these two missing pieces to make sense of what Jesus is saying. Right? And the shape of the follower of Jesus. Right? So if you're a non-Christian you're visiting today, I'm so glad you're here. You're going to hear some, I think, real wisdom that Jesus is sharing. But in a way, the sermon's actually not for you. It's just for the Christian. If you're a Christian, this sermon's what Jesus is saying is for you. And what we're going to look at are two things. This is what two things that Jesus is saying, at least. One, to follow Jesus, we have to look at ourselves rightly. We have to understand ourselves. And two, then we have to do what we must do. Self-understanding and then action. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, our reading today starts with verse 5. The apostles, the disciples say, increase our faith. And they say that because the previous verse that we didn't read today, uh, Jesus says a lot of hard things. And the last thing he says is, uh, forgive 70 times 7. You must, if you're a follower of mine, you will forgive, you will always forgive. And he doesn't qualify. Now, <clears throat> for those of us who have been hurt, even seriously wounded, that's a hard thing to swallow. <clears throat> because there's people in our lives <clears throat> that we don't want to forgive. Right? Now, this isn't a sermon on forgiveness. That'll come later. But I'm mentioning only because we have opinions of what it means to forgive. We might say, well, we'll forgive this, that, and the other, but this I'm not going to forgive. Or this person I won't forgive. And we have our categories, right? Our decisions, how we're going to do things. But Jesus says to the disciples, you will always forgive. And then they respond with, oh, okay, Lord, increase our faith. And it sounds like a really nice, like a good question, a good follow of Jesus, right? Oh, increase my faith. But it's actually a little blame shifting. It's like saying, oh, you want, you want us always to forgive? Well, it'd be nice if we were that kind of person. But we can't, so you should do a miracle and increase our faith so we can do what you're saying. And then Jesus responds by saying, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell that tree to plant itself in the sea and it would do it. Right? So he's saying to them, it's not about you having more faith. It's about you understanding what I'm saying, subduing your ideas of what's right and wrong. I'm the master, and then you do it. You don't need a lot of faith. Must receive. That's enough. Go do what I said. And then, like a splash of cold water in the face when you hear it, he gives this story, this parable, of the master or the farmer with the servant. He says, well, if you have a servant, and he does his work, and he comes in, what are you going to do? Are you going to wait on him? You just say, hey, here's some food. You had a hard day. Here you go. Or if you're the master, don't you say, you done the field? Okay, I have more work for you. Do my dinner. That's very uncomfortable. I don't like it. 
I'm sure no one wants it. No culture in the history of the world has ever, ever loved what Jesus said here. But I would, I would put a lot of money on, especially ours. There's no other culture that's ever existed that I can think of that has so desired to have the, the right to define everything. Right? Not only define our quality, but define um, how we live a life, define who we actually are, to the very core of who we are, sexuality. Right? Here in the modern West, we define everything. And then we come to God, and God's standing there and saying, that I'm God and you're not. So if you want to follow me, the creator of everything, including your life, you have to make a choice. Who are you really? Right? Because what we read today, he talks about the story of the servant. Now this is very characteristic of uh, Western English translation of the Bible. He does, Jesus doesn't use the word servant in that passage. He uses the Greek word doulos. That's an ancient word, doulos, which means slave. <clears throat> That's what he's talking about. You see, if you're in the position of a slave in that category, you don't have a say. Right? God ordains the universe, creates the world, he creates us, and then God says what's right and wrong, what should be done. Now you can accept it or not. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, well, think about who you are. Okay. And let's understand it because in the modern today, if we say the word slave, I think one of the, the quickest pictures that come, comes in our mind is the history of American slavery, race-based, forever. But the slavery that is being invoked here in ancient antiquity wasn't like that. It's what we might call indentured servant, servanthood, right? It meant, usually, so they were, the original audience would understand this word, and they say, doulos. It meant someone who had run on credit, was deeply in debt, couldn't pay it, and so they were made an indentured servant. So the master didn't own the person, they owned their labor, right? So the person had to work for the, the master who they owned money to. They couldn't just go for the higher bidder, they had to go for this person, and they had to work off the debt. The person wasn't owned, just the labor. Now, even that's a comfort for us. Let's say that's a good thing. I don't think Jesus is saying that's a good thing. But they would have known that's actually not bad. Because in Matthew chapter 17 or 18, uh, <clears throat> Jesus talks about what happens to people who have debts. There's something that used to be called debtor's prison. In the ancient times, there was a prison, and all the categories for all kinds of crimes, and debtor's prison was in the, in the middle. No light. You're in the center. Darkness. And so, choosing the prison sentence for working it off, that's the better choice. At least you get to eat, you get to sleep. It's hard work, but you know you can walk it off and you go free. You're in debtor's prison. When do you work it out? Right. And so this is what Jesus, this uncomfortable story Jesus is using to outline a very important truth that we have at the center of our hearts. God has created us. We haven't created ourselves. Everything we have and we believe we've earned is fundamentally a gift from God. Because I've heard it said to myself and family from other people, why well, work really hard for this? I earned this. Okay. Did you choose to not have cancer anymore? Did you, did you choose what country you were born in? Maybe if you were born in Canada, you kind of went with water in terms of the world. Did you choose that? Or did you have like a capable mind that can uh, really learn and understand and succeed? Did you self create your mind? Right? Truth is no. You're actually thinking about it now. None of us. 
I was always really good at school. Straight A's. University. Knocked it out of the park. And I felt really good about that for a long time. Now I'm not so sure. I didn't choose that. Sure, I, I took the gift that was given to me and I tried to apply it. Not always, but sometimes. Enough, I guess. A's are easier these days. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't need that. Now I have to, Jesus said, choose, decide who you are. Think about who you are. Actually think. Step out of the comfortable zone of the narrative to tell ourselves what we've learned, what we have, and actually see what God is saying. Hey, I need you. Every good thing you have. And you think it through, you actually find your mind all the way down, you'll find my love and my grace. So in fact, if you want to pursue this way, you honor me. Right? And I put it a different way. I think I've said it before here, but I'm going to repeat myself. Many of you are parents. Many of you have grown children. My, well, my eldest is seven. I'm still pretty little. I know for a fact, my youngest is one, and I have one in the belly. All right. I know my, uh, being a priest is not lucrative. I think you guys know that. I'm making it clear. I'm not making big money. So everything I have goes to them. I know that. Savings I have and building it up for their education. Right? How I spend my money, what I do, it's all for them. If my kids walk in, so we have a rule in our house. Kids wake up, always say good morning to parents. That's a way of being showing respect, honoring what we do for you. You say good morning, we say good morning to you. There's a hug if they want it, they don't have to have a hug. And we move on with the day. Part of that has come from my culture. It's an understanding that you recognize what's being done for you, right? It's developing gratitude, fully understanding. So that one day, it's being a kind of person that can understand. Like, you know, they're grown kids, how much they've done for you. Uh, the other day, I saw my wife calling her mom. They were asking, she was asking something. And I heard her say, oh, you know what? I did this thing. I'm sorry, mom. Because I guess my wife had been a brat about something. And my mother in law, I'm like, oh, thank you. It's like, come on, dude. There's a recognition. Yeah, you do that. So it's recognizing the, the order of life that helped you. You're right. <laughs> we understand. Now, you may not believe me. You may not agree with that. But I think it's true. I think it's true. In order to have gratitude, you have to recognize it's been done for you. Or else you're just going to be a selfish and grateful person. You just won't know. Ask to talk. Now, we teach that to our children. Right? And we know that we're ourselves with our peers. You did a favor for me? Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Oh, you didn't have to thank you. Right? We recognize the relationship with God. Now, bring that thinking to God. Life, cognitive abilities, not sick right now. Or if you are sick right now, maybe one time you won't sick. You achieve what you achieve. Are we taking that and saying, hey, man, that didn't do this. Actually, think about it. Well, God did this. Or are we just sort of pocketing that truth in some uncomfortable, you know, putting some thoughts in the basement and not kind of thinking about it? But Jesus said, follow me. You recognize who you are. The story of the Bible, which is the story of the human race and God, is this. God created us and gave us life. And humans turned to God and said, I don't care about you. And walked our own way. And the history of the human race is consistently walking away from God. If you want evidence for that, just think of all the wars, the injustice, the atrocities in this world. Is good. We are not living according to God's light and love. We live for our selfish desires and we kill each other. So that's the story of human race. And God by rights, if you just open any history book, you read all that, it's very easy to conclude they shouldn't exist anymore. 
put the whole race in the debtor's prison. They've broken everything. There's another war. There's Russia. We're the same. We just had the uh, truth and reconciliation there. So it's not just a way somewhere in Russia. It's just here as well. The brokenness. But in our country, they perpetrated. In 50 years, they're going to look back on and say, hey, what we're doing. Probably selfless. They're built on misery. We all have See what, see what I'm saying? The history of the human race is, is actually quite troubling. So when you look and think about that, like, oh, God, right? So you could just destroy the whole thing. This is horrible. And yet God doesn't do that. It comes to us in the person of Jesus. Light and love. He says, you know what? I'm here for you. Yeah, you couldn't do that, right? You could never come to me, to God, on your own. And I'm here for you. Right? That's the math. Dies on the cross. Takes our hell on his own body. He dies. He rises from the dead. He says, hey, trust, just trust me. You're going to experience my life and my love. And you're going to be able to share that with others. You know, read this. That's incredible. But first, if that's going to be real in your life, you have to recognize that you're in that position of that, that indentured servant. We're in debt. So that's one. That's uncomfortable. I know. I don't like it either. That's what he's saying. That's one. Here's the other one. If that's true about you, now that you know who you are, self-understanding, the second thing is, what are you going to do about it? What's the action? Here's the action. I'm going to use a word that we almost never use, ever. Here it is. <clears throat> Obedience. If, it, if you recognize that I'm God, and I have to say over everything, and you're the servant, then you do what I say. You do what I say, no matter if you like it or not, if you find it uncomfortable or not. If you're not at the table with me as two peers, I'm God, and you're not. Right? So to me, Seth, you're not God. You're not close to that. You don't set the table with me. You simply do what I said. Full stop. Right? Jesus says that in that story. And the next thing that we don't get this Sunday, we're going to get next Sunday. Uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll leave Howard do that. Here's one thing I want you to know about it. The next story is a group of lepers come to Jesus. And from a distance, they say, Jesus, right here, please heal us. All right? From a distance, a group of lepers, heal us. And Jesus says to them, he just says one thing to them. Go present yourself to the priest. That's it. Now, being a leper at that time was not just a physical condition. It was a legal standing. So if you were a leper, if you were deemed a leper, you, by law, had to be out of the community. And you were not allowed to approach people who were not lepers. You had to announce yourself. And if you didn't, severe penalty, penalties. Right? So it's a legal standing. As much as it's a physical condition, it's a legal condition. And Jesus says to them, show yourself to the priest. The priest is going to be at the temple or the synagogue, at the center of the community. They would have to walk through the entire community to the center, enter the holy space, and come see a priest. That would have been exceedingly uncomfortable and dangerous because they're not healed. They ask for healing. Jesus says, go do that hard thing. And they could have easily said, whoa, 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 hey, they're going to call me names. I'm gonna, the cops are going to come. They're going to get me in trouble. This is not accepted in our community. You're asking me to do that really hard thing? I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with this. I don't believe this. I'm not going to do it. They could have said that. We would agree with that. 
No one else does that. That's a really awkward, weird thing to do. If you're a leper, walk to the center of town. Notably, they don't complain back at Jesus. They simply go. And as they go, it says, they're healed. What that miracle is meant to illustrate his previous point we read today was that, yes, obedience is hard. No one says it's going to be easy. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes we agree. All right? Yeah, I tell my daughter to do something. Hey, can you do that? Yes, daddy. She does it. She agrees with me. Sometimes I say, hey, in your room. <laughs> two, two heels in the ground. I don't want to. Yeah, I know you don't want to. You can ask if you want to. You'll do it. She doesn't understand. She doesn't want to. She understands how our families run, and she does it. That's us with God. Although I'm not God, I'm just I'm with you guys. I suck. But God is God. And he says it's in the obedience. It's when you obey, even especially when you don't like it, that's when you see the love of my power. Because some of you might be thinking, some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. Wait a minute, when have I seen Jesus alive and powerful in my life? When was the last time that I saw something that I could think of as a miracle? When was sometimes that something so amazing has happened and I can, when, is that, when was the last time that happened? I'm going to ask you a question. When was the last time that you obeyed, even especially when it was hard? The, the, what Jesus asks of us is quite clear, it's not that mysterious. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's regulations on what you do with your money, with your time, how you treat those that are your enemies. What's the thing? Your enemies, you to love them. Those who hurt you, forgive. Treat the poor. If you, if you give to the poor, you give to God. If you take away from the poor, you're, you're stealing from God. You're clear. You're not ambiguous. Tell people about me. Especially those who don't know me, they're not Christian, you share your faith in a way that's powerful, credible, winsome. Right? Yeah, that's hard. It's super, all those are hard. I'm not good. I just moved. I told, I told somebody to move yesterday. I'm tired of exhausted. Boxes and beds and children trying to kill themselves because they're so little, they're annoying. And I think my landlord, I think my old landlord's going to steal my deposit. I don't think they're not going to get back to me. Some trumped up charges. I'm angry. Very upset. I'm going to lose a lot of money. Didn't go to court, I don't know. I'm very frustrated. And today's reading really upset. <laughs> but I know what I was and he doesn't say. And now I'm telling you to forget. Oh Lord, I'm not gonna forgive. Anger, but do not sin. The Bible says that. Am I gonna do that? I don't know. I'm not telling you this is some person doing it all right. You do it too. No, I struggle with this. And that's my little story, little snippet. You have your own. If I point you to each one of you and you feel comfortable, you let like, oh, this time. My dad did this, my mom did this. This person I worked with, this. My kids, raise them, and then they, they're ungrateful. The parent how to live their lives, I'm calling. I'm calling my grandma. See, you see what I'm saying? Jesus knows that. And so I want to end with this. I, I gave you two hard things, and I gave myself two hard things. So now you've got, you got to ask me how I'm doing. We've got to pull each other across the finish line, right? I'll tell you this. Jesus says, it's very uncomfortable parable, and it's uncomfortable here. I promise you that it's uncomfortable for you to say it. But the truth is, that's not the last thing he says. But the story goes on. Right? Later on, Jesus says, I have not 
They're not called the servants, they're called the friends. Right? And then later he goes to the cross and he dies. And he says, I trust in me and my family, and my brothers and sisters. So you and I, although it's true what he's saying here, part of being a follower of Jesus is to be a servant, which means no backtalk and no disbelieving things that are uncomfortable. That's part of it. But that's not the only part. The crucial thing we all have to know is that Jesus died on the cross, and if you trust him, your family, right? Your family. So someone who, for me, I think I told you this. I left home when I was like 13, 14. My family was pretty broken. I didn't experience the love and support that you experienced. I intended to experience with your parents or family. I didn't have that. But people came to my life that loved me and encouraged me. And one person that loved me for so long uh, died a couple weeks ago. And I went to Ontario. Some of you know I went to Ontario for the funeral. And she cared for me and she was always there for me. And it wasn't just like, I'm praying for you. It was like, no, I'm rolling out cash and you can go to Sender so you can get the vacation so you can live. You know? And I was shy. I didn't want to call her because then she asked me what I needed and she, you know, check her short. And it was uh, more than, it's incredible to me. What a gift. Her name is Pat Harvey. I don't know if you would ever known her. She was a doctor. She touched so many lives. And I'm one of them. One of her children, I guess. She didn't have children of her own. Um, I, I mean, I, I, so I could say it this way. I help her sometimes. Move this, that, you know? She was kind of no nonsense. I'm like, sorry you never met her. She couldn't come for the ordination since it was COVID. She would have been here. She was a very sassy, no nonsense person. Get that cabinet out of her. I never in the cabinet. I never felt for a moment. She had done so much for me. I never felt like she was pulling over my head. I never felt like she was treating me like some kind of servant or some bum. I love doing things for her. She just genuinely shared love. To me, she's an icon of Jesus. And we all have that. I think if you look hard, we have at least one person in our life like that. When Jesus seems too ancient and nebulous, if someone in your life, I hope, has loved you, I can name one, and I'm going to miss her. She's not with us anymore. She's in heaven. She's more alive than we are. But I'm going to miss her here on earth. It was never a chore for me. She asked me for help. It was never a chore. I'll do this and that. I just love it. She was so good. And in a way that that's better than what I described here, that's what Jesus is saying. If you think about what he's done, I love you. Yes, as individuals and as people, you've made mistakes. I'd give my life for you anyways. Why don't you put me in your heart? And I promise you that if you put Jesus in your heart, the things that he says that are hard, they'll still be hard. But it won't be a burden, it'll be a joy to you. You'll be nervous, you'll be anxious, but you'll do it. Spiritual strength will drive spiritual strength from that. You'll notice that your love is increasing. When you forgive that person you don't want to forgive, you'll find it. It's in the obedience. Go show yourself the priest and you do it, although it's hard, that's when the healing happens. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Today is St. Michael and All Angels Day, right? The readings reflect that. Angels found in heaven. Revelation means all these mystical readings. We heard the ending of time. Oh, you read that. The end of time. <coughs> the God we follow is the one who found that ancient Semitic man and gave him a, a vision of angels coming down. And that same God that gave that man a vision thousands of years ago has also has the future in his hands. 
That's the God we follow. And that same God came at a crucial point in history, gave us life. And that same person is coming to you today and saying, hey, won't you trust me? I have it all in my hand. Won't you trust me? The choice is yours. Follow Jesus. Obey his word. And you'll find life and love as you do. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, um, you've been holding your, well, we find your hard words this morning. Um, you don't, uh, you don't say that you're going to make it easy on us. You simply say that you will always be with us. And so we thank you that you're with us here even now. God, you know each of our lives. You, you are calling each one of us to serve you in unique ways. Help us to hear your voice. Help us that when we hear your voice, that we obey. Prevent, help us to not bury the hard things that you say and pretend they don't exist or not believe them. Let us see them all. Let us follow you, strengthen us, encourage us, help us feel your love. We pray all this and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.